Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey everybody, so glad you're with us. Um, I'm really grateful that you that, that you all understand the importance of, of setting aside some time in your life every single week to gather together and worship our God and hear from Him and learn what it means to follow Jesus. Listen, I know life is hard and things are super weird, but I'm really excited to jump into His Word today and hear what He has to say. So I want to start by asking if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip. Maybe, maybe when you were a kid. Uh, maybe you've gone to Haiti with one of our church teams. Uh, but if you haven't, you probably should. And, and these trips are, are really not about what you can do for people in another country. It's all about what serving them can do for you. It can be life-changing. Uh, and I know that was true uh, for six high schoolers um, that I took to Kingston, Jamaica over 20 years ago. And the first faith-testing and faith-building experience they had on that trip happened before we even got out of the U.S., and it was all my fault. You see, at the time, um, you didn't actually need a passport to get to Jamaica. You just needed a copy of your birth certificate. So I had um, all the kids' parents run a copy of their birth certificate and give it to me for safekeeping. Well, and so we boarded our, our first flight to Miami without any incident, but, but when we got there and attempted to get on our second flight, um, they kindly told us that we wouldn't be going to Jamaica that day because we needed a certified copy of the birth certificates. The photocopies wouldn't do the trick. I had royally screwed up. We were stuck, and we ended up spending the night in Miami. Well, um, long story short, uh, Lynette Calhoun, who's Josh's mom, um, ran uh, the birth certificates down to the airport the next morning and, and put them on a plane that was, that was supposed to land just 20 minutes before our next flight was going to take off for Jamaica. It was going to be close, but, but we were pretty sure we could make it. Now, at the very same time, cut to my friend, Pastor Andy, who was hopping his own flight so he could be there um, in Jamaica before us and get the van we were renting all ready for us. Well, the flight with the birth certificates came in right on time, and the seven of us were feeling good. Uh, we literally ran through the Miami airport to get to our flight before they closed the gate. And I can still see it in my mind. As we were running down that long white terminal, I could see the gate attendant closing the gate. I'm pretty sure it all happened in slow motion. I was like, no! And I yelled at them to stop, but it was too late. We didn't make it. We weren't getting on that flight. And now here I was, 20 years old, stranded again in Miami with, with Pastor Andy on a flight to Jamaica and no way to get hold of him because this was before everybody had cell phones, kids. So the seven of us sat down in the middle of the airport with all of our stuff totally defeated. And then we finally started praying. We were desperate. Why is it that, that way too often prayer is just our last desperate attempt to fix things? Well, there were a lot of tears that were being shed in that circle. And I think one of the kids was crying too. And I remember that, uh, that sinking feeling I had in my stomach. Here I was, a kid myself responsible for these teenagers, and I had no idea what to do. 
And as we were praying, I honestly don't really think my heart was in it. I told the kids we needed to pray because I thought that's what we were supposed to do, but I don't really think I believed anything was actually going to happen. Well, my mind was kind of wandering as, as one of the girls, Jenny, was praying. And, I, and, and wouldn't you know it, in the middle of her prayer that we would somehow miraculously connect with Pastor Andy, who should walk up to our little prayer group? Sure enough, it was him. Luckily, coincidentally, providentially, he too had missed his flight. I don't think I've ever had such a clear, instantaneous answer to prayer in my entire life. It was like God was our waiter. Jenny ordered a Pastor Andy, and God provided. I mean, it's how you always want it to be. And I wonder if you've ever had a clear, miraculous answer to prayer like that. It, it seems pretty rare, doesn't it? But we love these kinds of stories because it gives us hope that we will get miraculous, instantaneous answers to prayer. And so I'd like to take you into another one of those stories today as we continue our series in the book of Acts. Now, last week, Peter had come back to Jerusalem after God had taught him that Jesus died for everybody, not just Jewish people. And he had to give some, have some tough conversations with people that he loved. Well, this week, some time has passed, and now Peter has gotten in trouble with the powers that be. Here's how it, it reads. It says, in the, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, and after arresting them, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter was rotting in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That word earnestly, it means fervently or desperately. You know um, how we have figures of speech in English, like, uh, like he's over the hill? We all know that there's no hill. It just means he's old or past his prime. Um, well, the, there were figures of speech in Greek as well. And this, this word literally meant that they were stretched out. They were desperate. They were at the end of their rope, and they were praying for Peter, who seemed to have no way out. Have you ever been stretched out? Have you ever prayed that desperately? I mean, maybe it was for your kid or your marriage. Maybe it was about your health or the health of somebody that you love. Have you ever been absolutely, desperately stretched out in prayer? That's where these guys were. So Peter is sleeping in jail, handcuffed and guarded by 16 dudes taking different shifts. And in the middle of the night, while his friends are stretched out in prayer, the room lights up and an angel wakes Peter up. He leads him past the guards and out of the gate. And Peter literally thinks he's dreaming or having some kind of a vision until he finds himself out on the street all by himself. And then my favorite sitcom-like scene in the Bible happens. Let's read it. It says, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. 
And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back in without opening it and, and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of there of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. He must be dead. It must be his ghost. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That word means blown away. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, tell James and, and the others, and brothers and sisters about this. And he then left for another place. There is so much in this that we could unpack. But the thing that matters here is this. Here they were, stretched out in desperate prayer for Peter, but nobody believed it was going to work. When Rhoda says, hey guys, your prayers have been answered, they blew her off. They didn't believe it. I love the reality that they were praying desperately, but didn't have the faith to believe that God would do anything about it. And I love it because there are, there are people who would have us believe that if you just bring enough faith to the party, God will give you what you want. Well, in this case, they were desperate, but they lacked faith. And God gave them what they wanted anyway. And that's why some of these are the best kinds of stories about prayer. We love the hope that they can bring, the promise of miraculous intervention for the thing that's wrong, healing, financial stability, relational peace. Just give me the formula to get what I need from God. Do I need to give more money? Do I need to pray for an hour a day, two hours a day? What do I need to do to get what I want or need from him? And we read a story like this and we're tempted to say that all we really need to do is pray earnestly, desperately, stretched out before God and he'll give us what we want. And honestly, that would be a much easier sermon to preach. It would be really nice if I could feel good about wrapping it up in a nice neat bow right here. Get desperate before God in your prayers and he will respond. But we all know that it's more complicated than that. And I'm not saying that that's not true. Desperate prayers are music to God's ears. But the thing I'm going to show you next doesn't take anything away from that truth. It just needs to slide up alongside it. I want to take you back to verses 1 and 2. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Do you guys remember James? He was actually one of Jesus' best friends, his inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. They had spent years together. He was one of the most important leaders in the church. Do you think when Herod arrested James that the church wasn't just as desperate? Do you think they prayed any less fervently, that they were any less stretched out? If you wonder why the people praying for Peter didn't actually believe that God would release him, maybe the answer can be found right here. They had already been in this exact situation before. And in the end, James was executed. Have you ever gotten jaded about prayer because there was something you asked for that you really needed and wanted, but God never came through? 
maybe somebody you love struggles with addiction and no matter how much you pray for them or how desperate you are for them, it just seems like nothing ever happens. And you start to wonder if praying is even worth it. So let's uh, step for a second into the, into the heart of John. James' brother and the third of the three amigos, remember Peter, James, and John. His heart must have been shattered in a million pieces when his brother was killed. And then they took one of his best friends. And listen, I'm sure he was elated that Peter was rescued in such a miraculous way, but I also question if he might have wondered, why did Peter get saved and my brother get killed? Why did your coworker get the job and you got overlooked? Why does one person get healed from cancer and live a long life and another suffer and die? It's human nature to want things to be fair. I remember telling my dad that something wasn't fair and being super annoyed when he would say back, well, life's not fair. You might as well get used to it. But it was true. Life isn't fair. But we think that at least God should be fair. He should treat us all equally. But did you know that God doesn't claim to be fair? He doesn't claim to treat us all equally. He does claim to be just. He does claim to love us and want the best for us. But it's not always fair. So where does that leave us? Does our desperate prayer even matter? In the book of James, we read this, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Stretch out prayer is accomplishing things, but it doesn't guarantee that we get the outcome we think is right. This is where we begin to allow ourselves to embrace the mystery of God. And I'm not just talking about how vast he is or how mind-bogglingly powerful he is or the fact that he knows everything and can be everywhere. That's one kind of mystery, and we worship him for those things all the time. I'm talking about embracing the mystery that we don't always understand why he does the things that he does. That's a much harder mystery to embrace. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, we like the sound of that, because it means that God is playing three-dimensional chess while we're all down here playing checkers. He sees the whole board. It gives us comfort, but the flip side, is that this uh, verse that we like to quote so, so often also simply means that we will rarely understand God and that can be unbelievably frustrating. And so as we close our time together, I wonder if you might admit to being a little frustrated with God sometimes. I wonder if you have ever asked why things worked out for somebody else and not for you. I wonder if you've ever thought God hasn't been fair to you. I wish I had a formula that would get God to do for you what you want, but all I have is a tried and true model for you to find some peace in the middle of wherever you are, and here it is. Embrace the mystery of God's decisions because he's playing on another level and he's always got your best interest in mind. You see, the heart of the struggle is control. We want to control God because we think we know what's best. 
But whenever we're willing to let go of the control and submit to his ways and his thoughts for our lives, we can never go wrong. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just can't believe the way that you speak to us in moments like this. And God, if, you, um, if you're saying something to, to any one of my friends online or in the room, would you give us the peace to know that you are always on our side? That even though we don't understand you, even though we don't get the decisions that you made, even though, even though we don't always get what we want in prayer, we know, we know that we get what we need. That you always have our best interest at heart. We're so grateful for that, Lord. We want to we walk in understanding this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.